G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Night Live brought to you by Crowcast of course. Great to see everyone along, we've got lots to talk about this week, some injury news and uh, some club news and some AFL news and also we'll be talking about uh, young Glenelg star Lewis Rayson so uh, let's not crap on any further, let's get into it. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Tuesday Night Live for another week, uh, the 6th of July, 2021. Time slipping away, and uh, joining me as usual on a Tuesday night, uh, Peter. How are you going, Pete? Really well, Fane. Yourself? Pretty good, mate, for a Tuesday, and uh, I actually spent most, of the day, spent most of the day thinking it was Wednesday, which was a bit disappointing, but never mind. Uh, g'day to everyone who's joined us on Discord tonight. There's a few people already in the live audience chat. Look forward to some interaction tonight. would be great. Also, thanks to everyone who's uh, joined us on YouTube. We've got a few there already. St. Ratty, good evening, mate. Uh, a fair bit to get through in our 45 minutes tonight, Peter. Um, the graphics are sadly lacking, but uh, I don't think anyone will be too disappointed <laughs> about that. Um, now, I know that you've been away, mate, but uh, did you happen to catch the game? I did uh, catch a little bit of it, just uh, while enjoying some uh, hospitality from uh, one of the great country football clubs. Um, so, yeah, it was um, – look, it was a, um, a game of um, – Oh, really two and a half and one and a half quarters, wasn't it? Yeah, there was yeah pretty much. Some really, really strong uh, competitive uh, efforts from our, ta- our team, I-, I-, I thought, but unfortunately just really got overrun in that, in that last quarter. And, and even, you know, pushing through the third quarter there, we, you know, we looked, um, w- without ever looking like we would, it was one of those strange games, wasn't it? It was without ever looking like we are ever going to win the game. Um, I didn't. I didn't see a real blowout coming. I, I thought we were just going no. to keep it, but um, keep it within a you know, reasonable. I'm quite sure I liked um, the reaction, though, of sort of saying, you know, well, it wasn't really a 56 or 52 point, or it didn't feel like, well, you know, this was coming from the coach. Yeah. Well, well, it was. It was. It was. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, what the, that's what the score was. So. I, you know, I thought it was great that we were competitive for the time that we were, mm. but I think we're going back to that situation whereby, like, you know, where we had against Carlton the other week, we seem to have those lapses where teams seem to be able to really rattle on and, and, and score six, seven or eight goals. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the sentiment from Nick's because watching the game from start to finish, it never felt like a nine-goal loss. Um, and I think yeah. it was indicative of the fact that uh, we did hang in. Uh, I think my observation was basically that our structures worked really well and our matchups worked really well and our intensity was really good for as long as we could yeah. sustain it. And in the end, it was just Brisbane's class experience, you know, etc., that got us and yeah, it, yeah. it's probably like to be honest with you nine goals is probably in today's um footy where scoring can be pretty free at times um it's probably a fair indication of the gap between the two teams nine goals 
yeah, yeah, that, that's fair enough. So, I mean, um, you know... Happy, really happy... Go on. No, no, you go. No, 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 I was just going to say, so, you know, I, watching it personally, I wasn't terribly disappointed, um, and t- to some degree the score line was a little bit irrelevant, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, we certainly go back to, you know, what what working out what are we trying to get out of this year mm. and where is the team at? And once again, you know, for a significant part of the game against, you know, let's be honest, a potential grand finalist this year, yep. um, you know, we're, we're, we're competitive for long periods of the game. Yep. Um, and particularly as, you know, we've, we've rolled out yet another debutant um, as yeah. well. So, I mean, was thrilled that Luke Pedler had a game. How did you see his game? Well, he didn't look out of place, Pete. I mean, he's obviously short of run. Um, you know, he got limited midfield time, but uh, his first couple of rotations in the midfield, he did a couple of things that just made you sit up and go, okay. Um, he showed yeah. a little bit more pace than I expected. Uh, certainly burst out of uh, contests, which is really good to see. Didn't look quite the hustle and bustle type that I thought he was. He looked a little mm. bit more dynamic than that, Peter, to be honest. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. I mean, we did talk about last week um, as to whether we, you know, whether he would be in line for a game because we were just a little bit worried about his his fitness. Yeah. But um, I was absolutely thrilled to bits to see that they were, they were prepared to pull the trigger on him. Yeah, and, that um, was good. And I think he's a, um, you know, he certainly all the vision that I saw of him playing last year. He, you know, he's a classy player. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I think that I think that because you know, the, particularly the. You know, he has that look of being a real sort of uh, street fighter, doesn't he? <laughs> he's got a he's got a bit of that Fight Club look about him. Well, and, um, you know, but, I think uh, he, but he's got a little bit. He's got a a little bit more class than I think a lot of us yes. have given him credit for, Peter. He he, he yep. is that junkyard dog type. He's got that look about him, and you know, he plays aggressively. But when he gets the ball on the outside, and when he gets clear. Uh, he's not all hustle and bustle. He's not a Ben Keys type that, you know, lacks a bit of skill. He's got polish as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, did he do enough to hold his spot, would you think? I would have thought. Uh, 13 touches yeah. in around about, you know, under 60% time on ground, I think it was. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, more than enough for a debut, in my opinion, to hold his spot. And I'd, li- I'd like to see more of him. I want to see more of him. Uh, I think... Uh, yeah. Having made it uh, into the team, I think he deserves a, a bit of a stint. Um, a couple of brickbats. Uh, Billy Frampton, I never want to see in the team again. I I mean, I was very happy to see Shane McAdam pay his dues. Um, I think that was deserved. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed that they dropped Fogarty, regardless of his uh, um, low output the previous week. I just felt like... That forward structure actually, to me, looked the most potent of all our configurations we've had so far this season. I felt like our forward line took a step backwards with Billy in the team. Yeah, I I, I sense that Billy will inevitably be labelled as just one of those players caught caught in between the two leagues and um, a little bit too good for Sandville, but but just does not seem to have a yeah. game to suit AFL. Yeah. And, um, he, he's a tease, Pete, because he does do very well. He shows a lot more at Sanford level than Elliot has. 
and uh, yep. he always looks like it. But then you get you get to AFL level, and I was so disappointed to see him not do the things that he's in the team for, which was contest uh, in marking situations. So many times he got pushed out of the contest. Uh, he was out of position. Uh, it was three deep. Yeah. Uh, he he was hustled and bustled out of it by uh, the the Brisbane defence, and uh, it was a bit of a shame. Um, speaking of defence, of course, um, the other one that I've, I've finally had enough of, Peter, is young Jake Kelly, uh, and I had a fair bit to say on Sunday night, so I won't labour the point, but... Um, you know, Jake is a staunch defender. He's he's a good lockdown, dour defender type. But in today's rebound running dynamic football, where you need to move the ball quickly and aggressively and assertively, Jake is just all at sea with ball in hand. And there was a few times on the weekend that he got he he was the he was the man that had to pull the trigger, and uh, he just couldn't do it. It's not in his makeup. That, that's right. He, he's a lockdown player, and um, uh, he he's had that limitation for a good many years. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me that um, you know that that he's in that situation. So, no, I think that um, Jake is. I think look, I think that they'll probably you know continue to persevere with him just while we're we're, we're a young side. But right. there, there has to be. We we need to be you know, better than that, and we need um, we need some better options running out of defence. Yeah, well, we need Young World to uh, come on. Uh, he's the natural yep. choice, I think. Um, you know, I thought I liked the Murray inclusion, and I thought Murray played well, and the thing that surprises me, um, uh, particularly with Tex going down on the weekend, is that they didn't swing Murray forward a bit. I know it would have been robbing Peter to pay Paul, but they actually swung Tom Diday forward, and... Tom, as we know, is good aerially when he can be floating into a contest, but I don't think he's terribly fantastic one-on-one. Um, and I would have liked to have seen Murray down there because I feel like he just he attacks the ball really well aerially, and uh, we've mm. seen him kick a goal or two up forward. Mm. So I was a bit surprised about that, but I like I like Murray in the side against teams that have the sort of forward setup that Brisbane have. I think, yeah, sorry, just quickly, just quickly hopping back on to Billy. The other thing I guess was disappointing is the fact that Tex goes down and so there's a real opportunity there, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Um, that's, and we needed him to set up. The, the, the fact that we had to swing today down forward, um, Pete, was testament to um, Billy's you know, lack of impact on the game. So... Never mind. I, I was actually hoping that next might go small in that last quarter and try and uh, beat them for pace. But uh, whether we didn't have the cattle or whatnot, I'm not sure. But uh, they did what they did. Um, look, Chase Jonesy, I thought, I thought took a little step. He's looking more assured down back, and uh, with Luke Brown really starting to struggle with that Achilles, and we'll talk about injuries in a second. Um, you know, Chase seems to be the heir apparent to that small uh, defender role and he didn't do bad when he was up against um, Cameron and uh, the other guy that they have that other small forward forget his name yeah look I'm McCarthy was it um, yeah yeah Lincoln McCarthy uh, he's a very good footballer isn't he he is um, yeah. just uh, on chase I, I'm kind of you know I'm really I'm look I'm super super happy that he's gradually going through the process of proving me wrong and so I'm very very happy about that and um, look I think he's been you know quite serviceable 
in the in the last few weeks. I'm still sort of of a, of a hope that we can that really what we're trying to do is just getting you know getting confident and getting playing good football. I, my honest um, hand on heart hope thing is that he can transition. He, he can still transition out of that position into the midfield. I still have that hope, um, and it may well be that he just becomes a permanent you know, lockdown, small defender for us. And if that's the case, then so be it. You know, we haven't, you know, the pick hasn't been wasted. And, you know, it's important we have every role covered. Particularly, Pete, I, as you say, is it... Yeah, sorry. We might be on a little bit of a delay here, Pete. So if I talk over you, my apologies. No, that's okay. Um, just watching Chase again on the weekend, I, I don't think he has the peripheral vision to be a midfielder. Yep. He seems to be quite tunnel visioned and um, he's great in straight lines. He's got good burst speed. He uh, attacks the ball well, attacks the contest well. I think the reason why he struggled so much at AFL level in the midfield is because he lacks that that awareness, that spatial awareness. And uh, mm-hmm. I think a lockdown small defender might be the best we can hope for him. And whilst it's not a great return on pick nine, it's better than a Gallucci outcome where you know he just drops off the list, so um, you know the, the lesser. Of Absolutely two agree with that. Absolutely agree that you know much better to have him. It's still an important role, yeah. And we, we can still get him. You know, we can get that confident up and get him really, really running and and really streaming through half back as well and really providing some rebound for us. Yeah. Could be and it could end up being a really, really important role for us. So that that's I'm really, really pleased that that um, that he's he's making those strides. Yeah. It's really good. He strikes me as a DMAC type. Remember, Pete, the first uh, interview we ever did with David McKay uh, way back in 2015. And McKay was saying how Dean Bailey had really sharpened his focus and that McKay had recognised that he was very uh, a task-oriented footballer. I have a feeling that Chase might be similar. I think Chase needs a role with very clear, direct and simple instructions. I think that's a pretty good assessment, actually. And, but yeah, I, he, he, you're right. He doesn't strike you as the kind of footballer that has that sort of um, ingenuity to, uh, yeah. to, you know, to create. Um, but so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, you can't just give him a blank page and, and ask him to paint you a nice picture. Yeah. Now, uh, you, I guess you would have seen the footage of Texas' uh, injury. Um at the time, my thoughts went to Neil Sash, and uh, unfortunately, Pete, you're probably old enough to remember Neil Sash and that incident uh, yep. uh, as well. And it looked so similar with Texas' head snapping back the way it did. Um, but sickening. absolutely sickening, wasn't it? Just um, and you know the the fact that he couldn't get up for a little while, etc. So, arts in mouths. But you know, uh, he reckons he's going to get up for this Friday night. I reckon the club might say have a rest, Tex. Um, Absolutely. You know, we'll just spend another year on him, so we don't want to break him now. Um, <laughs> I, so I wouldn't mind betting they actually bring Darcy back in for Texas this week to give him a run. Um, Luke Brown is listed as a test. Yeah, yeah, on his Achilles, Luke Brown. Um, seems to be very hot and cold, that injury. There's times where he looks like he's uh, uh, running at a pedestrian rate and other times where he, like when he chased down uh, uh, Cameron... Um, to save a goal, he, he looked like he was on the pace. So it's one of those injuries, I think, that's uh, just a week-to-week proposition. Um, the rest of them, I mean, we've got Matty Crouch out for another four at least, and I, I don't know whether I want to see Matt Crouch back in the uh, back in the Adelaide Crows team. 
Pete, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I've got a funny feeling that uh, both him and Daniel Talia seem to be heading towards a whole year out and then a whole lot of mm. uh, who you are with their contracts as well. So uh, yeah. I think watch this space with those two. They seem to be uh, headed in the same direction. Yeah, well, Matt Crouch is a uh, free agent, of course, at the end of this year. Um, I wouldn't mind betting the market gets tested uh, with Matt, unfortunately. I'm not so sure about Daniel Talia. Um, I don't think we're heavily stocked with tools. Uh, Nick Murray has been service. Uh, yeah, Murray's been serviceable. Um, Geordie Butts is a standout um, in terms of uh, he, he, probably the best young defender he's in the comp, I reckon. Yeah, he absolutely is. He doesn't get enough recognition. That was a that potent old forward chest... line. Potent forward line, the best oh, forward line. Yeah. It's that old chestnut, though, that we always hear, oh, if he, you know, if he played in Victoria, he'd get more recognition. Well, why is that? Just yeah. gives me the shits, to be honest. Yeah. He should be recognised for, for yeah. what, he's, what he's doing week in, week out this year. Yeah, that's why we're here, Pete, because it's an indictment on the, on the bloody AFL media that they... Uh, can't look outside the uh, lockdown borders of uh, Victoria. So, is he uh, eligible for Rising Star nomination? Um, do you know what? I think he's. I think he's ineligible, like by about a week or a month or something, in terms of his age. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, he certainly would be right up there. Um, now, the one that could that's a bit of a forgotten man, but I didn't mind the the his performances before he went down. That could be very well a Jake Kelly replacement is Mitch Hinge, who's out with that shoulder for the season still. Um, Pete, we kind of forget about him. But yeah. He looked a right off halfback. I thought he had a couple of... Yeah, look, he had a, um, he had a couple of um, nice touches and had done some good things off halfback. I know they spoke very, very highly of him at Brisbane. He was an emergency um, yeah. in their prelim final side. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he was around the mark. He wasn't too far off with Brisbane in such a strong uh, side. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of a worry with the shoulder. and you know whether how that's going to stand up but hopefully with some uh the treatment that he's had and he, he can bounce back for us but I, yeah absolutely agreed he, he had some excuse me some really quite nice moments yep. in that first couple of rounds before he went down and look it was round better. one that he went down wasn't it? uh one or two i can't remember because he he played in the trials as well so that might have yeah yeah um, but it just looked a little bit dynamic with ball in hand as well. So, uh, and of course we've got Miller yep. with his knee, uh, uh, who's progressing nicely by all accounts. Uh, the bloke that has got off the injury list is uh, Tommy Lynch. Kicked three in the twos, Peter, on the weekend, and uh, Nikki and I on the weekend wrap um, decided that despite Braden Cook continuing his good run of form and um, Lockie Gallant also showing good form in the twos. It, we're pretty comfortable it'll be Tommy Lynch that'll come back into the side. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever <laughs> that, that will happen, but absolutely thrilled to bits to see uh, Braden Cook doing as well as he did. Yes, and, yes. Um, he, was, he had some very, very nice moves out there, and, uh, yep, he's just percolating along, him and Gallant, just percolating along very, very nicely. Yep. Yep, uh, agreed. Um, he, he looks a footballer, um, Peter. So, uh, 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 you know, with Shane McAdam, what I would term technically stinking it up, um, he could he could <laughs> well slot into that spot. <laughs> anyway, um, other club news. Uh, there's been a little bit of rumbling about the, the Brompton site, but nothing uh, so far aside from the fact that the original date was... For uh, a decision was supposed to be around about now, 
but um, I think it's pushed back to the next board meeting, which is in September, mm. I think Olsen said. Um, I think RevSA are doing a public tender, but uh, the word around the traps is that that's for show. Um, I would be quite surprised if the crows don't end up uh, at the Brompton site over Thebby. Have you got you got any uh, word on that at all? No, no word on it. Uh, my personal preference is for uh, them to end up at uh, at the Brompton site. Uh, yep. I think that that would be a much better. Um, I just think there's the. I think the you know, the the whole you know, a little bit messy with the Adelaide Footy League as well as well. Have got into mm. Thebiton and made that, that made that their home. I'm not sure whether we really want to tread on their toes. I'm not sure that Thebiton's the answer for the Crows. I really I'm, I don't think it's a great position, to be honest. Well, I think the thing uh, that sullies the, the thing that sullies the waters with Thebby is the fact that they're going to have to use Kings for about six years as a depot for the uh, for the roadworks, which means that um, mm-hmm. that won't be available for you know the first six years of a lease. Um, that's a long time. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know the, the Brompton site being right on the tram there to go straight up to the to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's just perfect, isn't it? Yep. Well, you got the train on the in, other side. In terms of the crowd. Uh, yep. yep. Yeah. No. In terms in terms of the crowd, you got, as you say, you got the train on one side, you got the tram on the other. Um, in terms of actually it being a hub for supporters, and I know that there's a lot more to it than that, mm. but I think that that um, that really seals the deal in terms of how its locality to the city and and how easy it is. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and I think uh, Johnny Olsen will use his connections to get that over the line. So that looks like happening around about finals time. So uh, yep. uh, we'll just no, keep I'll, I'll a watch and brief on that, that one. That would be excellent. Uh, now, um, we've talked about... any Anyone else you think might be a chance to come in uh, this week for Friday night's game, Pete? Oh, I don't think so, Fane. I, I, you know, text, I think it'd be 50-50... Um, so I, you know, I really think that um, Tom Lynch will be the one that's waiting in the wings. Yeah. And um, look, you know, any, I mean, they they might um, bring Billy straight back out. Yeah. Um, but they've got, you know, there's Fogarty still there that he could go back in, um, and uh, and obviously Tommy Lynch as well. So I think they're the, they're the most likely ins for me. Um, yeah. Would love to see Cook or Gallant get a run, but yeah. just don't think it will happen. Yeah. Um, just. Um, to finish off this little conversation about players on the cusp, what you read on Himmelberg, Pete? Is he now out of the equation? Do you think? Well, excuse me. Sadly, it it seems as it seems so, doesn't it? I yeah, mean, it's yeah. you know, he, I mean, the world was his oyster last year, and um, you know, he was just on fire. And he looked like he'd really takes taken steps. He you know signs a two year deal. Everything seemed to be on the up, and I don't know what happened across the preseason with him, but he uh, he just didn't seem to be able to really grab that that spot that mm. he'd had um, towards the end of last season, and so now he seemed languishing in the reserves, and he seems to be you know well behind others um, to uh, to get a game. So I, I just have a I look, I have a strong feeling. That you know, there's two options with him. His brother's playing at GWS. Yeah, he's originally from Queensland. Um, yeah, I think you know, plenty of options there. That where you know, whether it be Gold Coast, GWS, I think there's a potential for Elliot to find a home at one of those two clubs. Yeah, well, I, but I, I just think wonder you're if right. Elliot himself will. 
yeah, I just wonder if, if, if he himself will just get to a point where he says, look, you know, I'm out of here because I'm just, you know, I'm behind Phil Thorpe. Um, you know, I, I, I just, what I'd actually like to say is them to give, is to give um, O'Brien rest and, you know, just give, just put Elliot in there and say, look, you're the, you're the ruck this week. I think he's actually quite yeah. a good ruckman. Yeah. Um, so he I, is. I just, you know, I agree. You know, I'd like to see him uh, try a couple of things with Elliot just to see if there's some, you know, some sort of way, shape, or form. I don't think O'Brien's been particularly impressive this year no. um, at all. And I think that whether he's got, you know, a lingering back injury or whether, you know, he should be, I'm just not quite sure there's much value in playing him for 22 games. Um, so I, I'd really like to see him give Elliot a run in the ruck um, just, just to give him something. Yeah, but no, I think that sadly he looks to be heading towards the exit door. Look, I think so. Um, you know, and he finished the year last year with so much promise, and uh, it was start, starting to clunk some marks, uh, looking a little bit more and had a bit more intensity about him. But like you said, mm. I don't know what happened on the off season, but he's just gone off the boil again. Um, he's too. There's too much raw material there, I think, for him to drop out of the AFL system. I can see him going to a Gold Coast as a uh, forward ruck option for them. Um, yep. But uh, sadly, I, I don't see any future. If he can't get a run ahead of Fogarty, uh, ahead of uh, Frampton, I should say, and uh, there's a few people on the chat saying otherwise, but in my opinion... Frampton's shown a hell of a lot more at SANFL level than, than Elliot has. Um, and of mm. the two on form deserved uh, selection. But if he can't get ahead of Billy Frampton, then uh, I don't think there's room. Well, I just don't think there's room on the list um, for two yeah. big men who are taking up list spots. So anyway. Um, all right. Now, just moving on quickly to AFL news, Peter. And there was collective cries of anguish and sadness uh, this week, when the news broke that uh, Steve Hocking uh, would be uh, vacating the uh, f- general manager for the year operations uh, position going back to Geelong, did you feel the same level of pain as the rest of us? Oh, look, I did see some wag on social media talking about Christmas in July. Um, <laughs> that may or may not have been me. <laughs> no, I... Um... I have absolutely no um, uh, affinity for that man at all. I think it, he is a Geelong man through and through. Some of the crap that he's brought to the game is just, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that he leaves the game in any better position. And one of the things that I did read through the week, Fiend, that I think is just terrifying is that um, is that apparently, you know, he tried to bring in the 18-metre the goal square. And yeah. it was Gillen who shut that down and just said, mate, you've gone too far. The 18-metre goal square. Now, if if there's been men in history that's tried to screw our game more than any other, it's that idiot. And um, I'm just absolutely glad. The only thing that concerns me is that he'll go down and do a stint at Geelong and end up coming back as and a, come back as the CEO to the to the AFL. Yeah, that that, that well, worries me a lot. But well. Brent, Brennan Gale's the the great white hope when it comes to uh, Gillen's job. I reckon I'd rather see. I think Brendan's far more measured uh, than Steve Hawking's shown to be. So let's hope that Brennan sticks around and puts his hand up when Gillen moves on. But uh, I have look, the up, up, utmost regard and respect for Brendan Gale. I think he's you know he's a terrific 
um, and a real uh, a real solid citizen of AFL, and would I think we, he would be fantastic. But uh, oh my God, he's just <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, that was good. Yeah, was uh, so I enjoyed that. And uh, if it gives us a bit of a reprieve for a couple of years uh, and allows the game to settle back down again. And, look, you know, I was watching the SANFL on the weekend. I think it was South v Eagles. Um, High-quality game against uh, between two quality teams. And uh, there was none of that stand on the mark and carry on. Um, and the game flowed really, really nicely. Um, both teams were able to move oh. the ball in difficult conditions up at Norlunga. Um, the game did not need a statue on the mark rule and uh, I hope that someone with some brains at AFL level can maybe convince Gillen to scrap that rule after this year because I hate it. Did it need the insufficient intent rule or was just last touch out of bounds okay? Well, again, last touch out of bounds seems to be a pretty, <laughs> pretty simple way of dealing with things, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You would think so. We've had that in the SANFL now for how many years? About five or six years, if not yep. longer. All the, all the way through the junior grades and it just works perfectly. Yep. Everyone Never knows had what's a, going on. No controversy whatsoever, no controversy. No, so, no uh, arguments, no controversy. Yeah. Uh, now, more interestingly, uh, Hawthorne uh, were forced today by Collingwood's approach to Sam Mitchell to announce their succession planning. Ironic that, Colling- yes, uh, ironic that Collingwood were the uh, team that forced Hawthorne to announce something that Collingwood did unsuccessfully a few years ago and uh, Clarkson mm. saying that he will not coach Hawthorne beyond 2023. Uh, so that's still two years away, Peter. Um, but there's a few coaches was, coming was- out of contract in 22. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting, wasn't it, that Sam Mitchell sort of forced their hand and a few days ago he pulls out of the race and then all of a sudden Hawthorne have got a role for him. So, mm. yeah, it was, uh, I guess, you know, you'd have to say well played to Sam Mitchell for putting that pressure on them. Yes. And um, you have to think that he must have been in quite high in the running for Collingwood spot um, for Hawthorne to um, quickly realise that then they need to do something. So, but not a bad deal for Sam Mitchell. He can sit back another year of development for Barco to put into the Hawthorne team, and I think with another year, yep. by the time he takes over in 23, they should be a reasonable side. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, no word from Clarkson at this stage as to whether he'll continue or whether this is a retirement thing. Uh, he's far too young to retire, uh, and I can mm. see a few clubs doing the sums right now. And to be honest with you, um, Peter, the Adelaide Crows should be one of them. Yeah, I'm. I'm not convinced. I'm. I'm not quite sure how that would go in terms of. And I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this when, mm. when Matty Nix has done such a, a tremendous job of building um, the culture, and we'll f- I'll focus on that. Yeah. Because what you know, we talk about it week in week out. What we see with that club at the moment is what we haven't seen for a long time, which, which is real fight, real spirit. Yeah. Um, and I know, look, playing groups get, you know, they get over changes of coaches and things, but I just feel that Matthew Nix has a real fingerprint on this side at the moment, and I wonder whether to change him, you know, at the end of next year would be um, upsetting the apple cart. I, I, I don't know. I don't disagree with your comments about culture. I think 
Matty has the players, you know, the, the old cliche, the players are playing for him. Um, yeah. Yet to be convinced that Matthew has the um, tactical nous um, to be a premiership coach, but I think we've got a very good team in general in the coaches box that probably um, is probably more the sum of the parts than any one particular individual. Um, yep. But I, I, I think if we stagnate a little bit next year, I, I think personally the the club will probably be looking, rightly or wrongly, to push for a, a top eight berth next year. Um, yep. I think that's probably a year premature, but not not a bad thing, I think, for the club to, to think that, all right, we've got two years into some of these lads and a year into some others, uh, time to push forward. Um so it'll be interesting. I mean, a bloke like Clarkson doesn't come onto the market very often, and I think there'll be temptation from a lot of clubs in a similar position to ours, like a club like yep. St Kilda, for example, that have that, have, that will have had Ratten for a few years. Um, you know, there's one or two others uh, that have, you know, West Coast Eagles will be circling, I reckon. Andy Simpson's been there Brilliant. for, what, eight years now? Um, Fremantle. Fremantle will be one. Yeah, although Luke, uh, what's his name? He's only been there for a couple. Um, the other one yeah. is Gold Coast. Clarkson being the saviour at the Gold Coast would probably be the front runner, you would think. Um, Wouldn't they love that narrative? Well, it's a narrative, and the AFL love a narrative. They love a story, don't they? You know, Paul Ruse has been it. involved in a couple of those stories. Um, <laughs> so I reckon it, it, if Clarkson went up to Gold Coast and he couldn't get him into. into uh, playing regular finals, uh, that would be the best indicator of all of the AFL that it's just a lost cause up there. Yep, absolutely. Um, what else have we got going on in the AFL? I can't think of any other news uh, in the AFL. Uh, the only other news, uh, I guess, is that um, with the restrictions being lifted, Port have got a, um, a full house on, on Thursday night. So uh, irrespective of the fact that it's Port and not us, uh, it's great to see uh, a full house back in Adelaide and hopefully the other states can get their shit together soon and uh, we can have full houses at the footy all over the country again. Absolutely. Hmm. Right, now, Peter. Um, anything else for us <clears throat> to talk about in that space? Why don't we talk about another young South Australian prospect? Uh, we've gone through half of the South bloody team, so... Let, let's <laughs> saunter on down Brighton Road and go to the bay and talk We're going about to go to the bay. Lewis Rayson. We are going to talk about Lewis Rayson, and I know that he's uh, he's one that's had your interest throughout the season, Fiend, and Lewis is just quietly going about his business and um, being a, a, an absolute star performer for the Glenelg under-18s. And I don't think he's going to get a promotion up to the... Um, Reserves or league are very, very difficult down at the bay at the moment, Fiend, because I think all um, all three of those teams are, are, are atop or near yep. the top of the ladder. Yep. So it's pretty pretty tight for spots there. So he's just going to play his trade in the under-18s. But Lewis Rayson is about a 181-centimetre uh, running halfback, which is where he kind of made his name. Mm. He is, um, he's got tremendous speed, tremendous running power um, off that halfback line. And he has an absolutely raking um, kick in the in the Brody Smith sort of mould, and so that's kind of what you're getting with Lewis Racing. But he uses the ball immaculately. Um, very very good player. The thing with 
I think with Lewis racing is that there was if there was a knock on him towards the end of last year, it just was, was his competitiveness. Sorry, his competitiveness a bit. Um, mm. His one on one and that that kind of stuff. And he's come back this year and really really worked on that and has become a much more of a contested player. And that has led to him actually moving up towards the midfield a bit more. So he's actually been playing quite a bit of uh, midfield minutes for Glenelg um, and and still racking up. An absolute ton of the football. So he, um, you know, he's your, your thirty touches a game player. He hits the scoreboard. Where he sits in terms of the draft is a funny one uh, because I almost feel that he's almost a, a little bit bigger version of Paddy Parnell, who we took in the mid-season draft. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm just sort of wondering where, in terms of the Crows, I'm wondering whether um, he may. Uh, whether he'll meet meet um, a need for us, although of course picking the draft should be on talent, not need. So it depends on you know who's available at our, our pick. But I think the yeah. Lewis, depending on how he goes, again depending on how the champs pan out. But I, I think that Lewis will sit somewhere between t- twenty five and forty. Yeah, I reckon that's his. That's about his draft range. I've seen a few mock drafts around with him higher. I've seen him as high as sort of. You know, 20, 21, 22, up around that mark. Um, so, you know, I guess as a as a player comparison, he's props. You'd probably say he's a little bit shorter, Brody Smith. So that's yeah. the kind yeah, that's of player that you're looking at. He's got real pace, real pace and endurance off half back. So he'll, you know, he'll run the lines all day for you, and he'll just he'll rack up a ton. And he's a very, very good overhead mark. He'll, you know, he'll uh, he'll get a lot of the ball. He'll put a lot of ball inside 50. Um, but, yeah, he has just added that contested side to his game. So I think probably somebody got in his ear and said, look, you know, if you uh, if you don't add that contested side to your game, you can forget about an AFL career. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and, he, has, he, has added, he, ha- he has added that theme. Mm. Um, and, um, and as a consequence, as I say, he's had a significant amount of more of midfield minutes than he, he had previously. So... He's, you know, he's, uh, as most players sort of around 178 to 182 has to have to be now, he's fairly, um, you know, he can rotate uh, through, Mm. you know, a few different positions um, for you. So he's a very, very high quality player. He's a very, very classy player. He'll go, someone will pick him up in the draft and um, um, whether it's us, whether we, you know, I guess it will just depend on Hamish's talent list and where he sits, but I reckon he will be, um, as I said, that 25 to 40. Now, I've got a question on there just at the moment about is there a young Ruckman we should look out for? There is a young lad um, who, surprise, surprise, um, is playing for um, under-18s for South by the name of Will Verrill. Yes, um, I know he, about Will. Yep, he's a bottom ager, so he won't be available for 2022, but we we, we want to have a pretty decent pick available to uh, if we're looking to add a Ruckman to uh, pick up Will Verrill. But he is, he's the one that I would say stands out at the moment. I'd really like to get a look at him in the under-18s carnival. Um, so uh, yeah, but he won't be available next year, and um, but he is one of, one of the, the really, really high-quality Ruckman running around the sample at the moment. Yeah, uh, Sloan Ranger 3 also talks about Tom Lewis uh, from Sturt. I've seen a little bit of Tom and uh, don't mind him at all. Uh, he's a hustle, bustle kind of bloke and just loves 
dropping blokes. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know where he sits in the scheme of things, but uh, he, it's one of those players who just like to watch because he just just gets in amongst it. You know, um, Lewis Racing people. Yeah, Lewis Racing. Um, like we said at the beginning of the season, I think, or the beginning of the discussion uh, this year on Tuesday Night Live, that he was going to need to to be able to step up into the midfield, and and you're right, he has been able to do that. I um I don't know whether he'd necessarily be on the Crows radar, Pete. Um, a because we've got a dearth of half running halfback flankers, and um, you know how many do we need? <laughs> um. But I don't know whether he fits where our picks sit this year either. I think, um, you know, our, our pick profile doesn't... He'd probably go between our second and third pick, I would have thought. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I I think you're also right in the sense that, I think you know, we're in a, we're in a stage where I think that we're going to really, really hit the midfield in this draft. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think that you'd be picking Lewis Rayson as a halfback with a yep. with a potential to continue developing him in the midfield, mm. um, and so I think that um, that that you know I think that as I say, picking up Paddy Parnell, who I'm super impressed with, by the way, mm. um, I, I think that even though he's a bit shorter and a bit slighter, he is that kind of player, and so yeah. I just think that you know having picked him up in the mid season draft, I think that uh, even if Lewis is available, I. I have a funny feeling we'll, we'll overlook him. Yeah. But he will find a home. Yeah. I see him. I could see Lewis actually uh, forging a career on a wing. Um, I feel like he yep. is his value getting the ball with those long um, raking kicks into a forward 50 uh, would be quite valuable. And the fact that he's become a little bit more competitive this year in contested situations means that um, I feel like uh, he'd be, he'll, he'll, as you say, he'll get picked up somewhere, and I wouldn't uh, wouldn't mind betting he'll end up having a career sort of wing half back, maybe a little bit of half forward as well, um, rather than being a coal face midfielder, if you know what I mean. Well, absolutely, Fane. I mean, you know, your top ten to top twenty, you know, are those really, really genuine sort of blue ribbon mids that you know everyone's looking for, and then once you get over sort of pick 20, you are sort of looking at, you know, more yeah. kids that will come in and play a role for you. And that might be, you know, running through the midfield, running through the wings, running through, you know, that 180 centimetre yeah. kind of guy that needs to be versatile and can run through a you know, number of different positions. And so I think that's where he ends up. And I think that's why he drops, you know, down to, let's say, between 25 and 40. I think that's that, that's where he sits. So, but a lot to like about Lewis. He's, yeah. Um, very, very professional. Um, he was, I'm pretty sure he was captain of Sacred Hearts first 18 last year. Um, and um, great leadership. And yeah, he, he'll be a really good pickup for somebody, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, 1990 Crow saying in the chat, and just before we finish this up, we've probably got a minute or two. So if anyone wants to have a quick word, um, put your hand up now. Um, and Pete, if you have to dart off, I'm quite happy to field the, field the, the calls. Um, Rayson lacks a weapon. I don't know about that 1990. I think he's actually added to his um, base football ability this year, as we said, with his ability to get a bit more of his own ball um, and also yep. his disposal. So I think they're his weapons, the ability that he can be a bit inside-outside and also that he, he's just got a great disposal by foot. Yeah, I think if you, um, you, know, if, if you look at a kid like Paddy Parnell 
if a kid like that can get on the list because his because his weapon is his is his kicking his decision making, then mm. you know he can. And 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 it's you know kicking and decision making is a legitimate AFL weapon um, that they value and they value highly. And um, and I think that um, you know that that that's what that's what we'll see him um, get himself onto a list. How how he goes from there. Um, you know, anybody's yeah. guess, obviously, but he absolutely will get himself on a list, and it will be that kick that gets him on. It's a great point you make, Pete, because uh, every game that we've lost this season, it's been where our transition has, has fallen down, um, and a lot of that is to do with that that next kick mm-hmm. and that the. the the hit up 45 degree, we, we end up going up and down the line. I think my camera might have frozen, so apologies to people that are watching on YouTube, but we're just about done anyway. Um, so, you know, I think it is something that coaches really value. The ability to make quick decisions, something that we lament uh, Jake Kelly can't do, um, and yep. to be able to hit up targets in tight spaces to get through zones and to get through congestion. So uh, you're dead set, right? Look, mate, uh, no one's putting their hand... Oh, go I'll on. Quickly, I'll just quickly, I'll just very, very quickly add an anecdote from a SNFL under-18 coach who was heard lamenting that the biggest struggle that he faces as an under-18 coach is trying to find a kid, trying to find kids that he would bet his house on hitting yeah. a 20-metre target under yeah. pressure. Yeah. yeah. It's a big issue. Well, and I've got to say, Pete, having, as you know, I was involved in junior coaching for years, and uh, it is the um, it is the 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 manner in which uh, the resources have been spread thin at junior level with the SANFL clubs. It, certainly, I can speak for South Australia only, of course, but the fact that the SANFL clubs continue to, to be the gatekeepers uh, for junior development um, gives us this outcome. Peter, because they don't have the resources. Mm. They often don't have highly skilled footballers coaching. They're more uh, people managers that are coaching. And and, and no disrespect to anyone who's involved at that level because more power to them. Um, And their their time is so valuable. But what it means is that we're we're left with kids at the 13, 14, 15 years of age level who don't have basic skills. And I think that is really evident when you get to the under-16s uh, squads and uh, half of mm-hmm. them can't bloody kick. Yep. And look, you know, if they, if they haven't kicked a kick out in the oval before training, they'll hit their target every time. The problem mm. they've got mm. is you put them under pressure, you put them yep. under a game situation where they're under pressure for that skill to hit, to stand up and hit yep. a 20-metre target, yep. try and pick your way, as you quite rightly say, to pick your way through a zone. It just doesn't. Um, it doesn't stand up. Not for Mate, enough I, kids anyway. I, I know you got to go, but just a quick an- anecdote. So, my Cam, obviously, my eldest uh, went through uh, the Westies uh, thing and loves his footy. My youngest, Tyler, uh, has never ever shown any interest in football after getting kicked in the face by a football at under eights level, playing for Colonel Gardner's Primary School. <laughs> Moved on to soccer and now loves his basketball. But recently, he said, "Dad, you know, come out and, and let's have a kick." And, of course, because he hasn't played any footy, I've had to sort of teach him a bit. And I've shown him on the TV because he's a left footer and I've said, you've got to run straight, target, blah, 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 blah. And I've shown him on the TV, you know, you watch this guy kicking for goal, he's going to run out to the right and he's either going to miss it to the right, he's going to hook it left. And without fail, that's what happens. And 
It is an indictment on professional AFL football that these blokes under pressure from 40 metres out cannot run straight at a goal, point their toe at the bloke standing with the hat with the flags in the middle of the goals Mm. and just kick it straight. It's an indictment on on skills development in this sport. It really is. Absolutely. Anyway. All right. Noah's putting up the hand, Pete. Uh, I know you've got to go. Uh, I've got to go too. Look, it's fantastic. Thanks very much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Myself, Macca, and Nikki will be back on Sunday night with a wrap show, uh, wrapping up Friday night's game. Until then, everyone stay safe, be good, and we'll see you later on. Thanks, guys. See you guys.